Hey, everybody, how's it going? Thank you for listening again. And if you're somebody who listens regularly, or maybe you're just tuning in for the first time and you think this is kind of cool, do me a favor, go to the app that you're listening on and leave a review. Make sure you're subscribed and let me know where you're listening from. And uh, I appreciate your feedback. My guest today is the co-founder and chief sales officer at Victory Power, which is a residential and commercial solar company that's based in Queens, New York. Um, his company puts solar panels on your roof and helps you save money. Um, you may have seen people in your neighborhood knocking on the door, trying to sell you solar panels. Um, this is what he does. And I met him years ago in the direct sales world when I was selling alarm systems door to door. And uh, we reconnected on social media and uh, I saw that he had founded his own company in solar. And solar is something that I'm really interested in. A lot of people are talking about renewable energies, um, especially you know with everything that's happening with the election. It was a big part of this election. And I'm really interested. I grew up in Pennsylvania and I've always been somebody who's been a champion of oil and gas. And I'm certainly aware of the consequences that come along with those, um, those fuels, but I also know the benefits that it's provided to where I grew up. So a lot of questions that I had for him. And uh, I think having an honest dialogue about stuff like this is the first place to start in moving us to a direction um, that we all want. So give it up for my guest, Dusty Broadhead. But before we get started, a quick shout out from our sponsor, Action. Now look, if you're not currently ordering your coffee from Action on a subscription, you're overpaying for worse tasting coffee. That's a fact. We've done the math, folks, and we've tasted the coffee. Action is better coffee, and it's at a better price. If you order it on a subscription, you're paying less than 50 cents a cup. Now, I know that... I know my wife was paying more than 50 cents a cup when she was buying her coffee at Starbucks. That's changed. Um, I don't mind that. And she doesn't mind it because the coffee's better. So head to drinkaction.com and use code word curious. You'll get an additional 15% off your order if you don't do the subscription. If you do the subscription, you get 20% off your order. And everything from specialty coffees to natural supplements, things like turmeric and hemp, and keep your eye out because there's some new performance stacks that the team at Action has put together so that you can buy the things in bulk that you want to buy in bulk and you get an additional discount for doing that. Things like keto stacks and performance stacks and even coffee lover gift sets that you can buy for your favorite uncle or your grandpa. Maybe your dad's a coffee drinker and you want to get him something unique for Christmas. Well, here you go. Buy them six months supply of specialty coffee. Go to drinkaction.com, code word curious, 15% off. Enjoy the episode. Awesome. Well, first of all, Yes, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, traditionally, I've never been somebody that believed in following the specific instructions on how to do things based on what other people thought was the only way. And 
it stuck out to me early on that I was what most people consider a fringe member of society. So I was never fully inside the realm of accepted and never fully outside of it as the reject, right? It was always floating somewhere on that border, pushing the limit and the barrier pretty hard consistently. And that's what, that's what led us to victory, honestly. Um, victory power was born of the idea that the industry has a lot of problems and a lot of early development inside of it started causing the industry to push more and more towards four or five people at the top of this artificial pyramid scheme that profited while everybody knew that really wanted to get into something that was feel good, you know, do good type stuff were taken advantage of and underpaid and really just abused for their hard work. And um, in the direct sales world, that happens more and more. So we set out on a mission and that's, that's what we've been putting all over social media is we are going to repair the industry. We're making big moves, big waves, uh, pissing off a lot of people, honestly, but I'm sure but I don't mind doing that. I don't mind disrupting and correcting. So that's our mission statements, bold and simple industry and environmental repair. And I think maybe it's, it's worth mentioning like industry. When we talk about industry, that, that word is synonymous to us from the door to door, what was alarm industry, you know, maybe pest control, which is now kind of spilled over into solar. That's right. really a kind of born out of Utah and we can spare like the long form, but it's born out of Utah because of the tradition of the LDS community doing missions and where, you know, that door to door approach of evangelization kind of was taken, you know, a lot by Todd, Todd Peterson and others like him to say, Hey, we can take this and, and go and sell services. And that's grown into what's somewhat of an insulated community. It was strange. Like I'm, I'm from the East coast. I met a couple of uh, guys and their wives when I was a manager at Buckle and the King of Prussia mall, they were there working for me and their husbands were selling alarm systems door to door and they were making some serious cash doing it. And so me being very similar to you, you know, fringe member of society uh, said, well, why not? Uh, and then I found myself in Provo, Utah with like 98% Mormon uh, group of people and me, this, you know, guy from PA. So that's what we're talking about. And, and it's a very insulated community of sales. And I saw it. I mean, I, I don't want to certainly say I wasn't given opportunities, but I always was curious how there were some guys that excelled way above and beyond. And when you start to understand how um, sales opportunities in the form of like, Hey, this is your territory. These are the neighborhoods that you're going to knock the doors. Um, after the fact, I look back and was like, man, some people were getting a really raw deal on that. Right. Yeah. So we, we go by the saying we're more than just flat brims and handshakes. Right. So we don't, we don't do the under the table deals. We don't, we don't believe in rewarding people because they're related to us or, you know, they, they're from our old school group of buddies and those four or five people are the only ones that can excel. Yeah. It's, it's the old way of doing things. There's a, you know, the new normal, which is a phrase I I've grown to love and hate 
but the new normal with all this pandemic stuff and the way that direct sales is going, you have to be more accepting. You have to include people. You have to push for people that aren't, you know, blonde hair, six foot five, blue eyes. You have to be accepting of all backgrounds, all personalities. And that's what we at Victory and the other companies we created have set out to do. That's really cool. So, you know, the benefits of solar are like right they're in our face every single day. I, I, again, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I have a special place in my heart for the oil and gas industry. I also think that any shift in one direction, either way too drastically while in principle is a really smart idea. I don't live in principle. I live in reality. So, you know, as, as somebody who has a lot vested on clean new energy, you know, maybe if you could give me your expertise on the benefits, but maybe some of where there's a lot of improvement, because I think honest conversation is the best way to get people on board with moving in a direction, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest push pushes that we've seen in the industry is to start making it where it's common and bold conversations. And we, the only way to do that is to have more and more people realizing oil and gas isn't the enemy. There's not, you can't definitively say there is a loser and a winner in this situation. What we have to do is we have to rely on both categories, both topics and say, the more streamlined solar becomes, the more it relieves the ability of the grid to do what it's meant to do. I mean, if we're going to define what the grid and what, you know, what our source of power is right now, and keep in mind, yeah, I have solar on my own roof, but I don't have batteries because the efficiency and cost of batteries, they're not justified yet. Just like when people talked about solar, you know, 15 years ago, it was hard to justify that cost. So you would never want to just say solar's better because I say so right? So what we decided was, as we're going to start having these conversations, let's have real talk. Let's, let's really open up the discussion and educate people towards what is beneficial. There are a lot of homes that are not ready for solar. That's just the reality. Now, when I say that, it, it means that the parameters in which we are looking for a ideal customer, they don't necessarily, once again, fit the mold. So they would be considered a fringe member of that society, right? But we also, looking forward, I have the little ones, right? Um, I wanna make sure that my children's children have resources. I wanna make sure they have clean air. I wanna make sure they have you know, sustainable power. So a lot of it has more to do with future proofing than it does from like this definitive movement that's happening right now where you're going to miss out, right? So we don't, we don't use the same scare tactics that a lot of the other people in this space do. We're just simply saying, look, solar's designed to give you rate protection, give you back control over something you pay for anyway. And then more importantly, let's set up a plan for retirement. Like, look at what's happening in the nation. I'm not going to dive into the political side of stuff. But what I will say is regardless of the way that our nation goes, we have to protect ourselves 
as far as cost. So as costs go up, your retirement, your set fixed money doesn't raise with the amount of cost. So the more we can regulate things like power, the more safe you are when you retire. That's it. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Are there, are there numbers and figures that say how much power, like traditional forms of power have increased as far as cost over the last 10, 20, 30 years? Yeah. So you have speculation, then you have facts, right? So I go off of the historical data. Um, the last 20 years, the average across the nation, it's right over 4% per year. So it's some people t say eight to 10%, which is, you know, a scare tactic. It's not true. And then you have some people that are like, well, the minimal inflation is, of the American dollar is 2.9%. Therefore, why would any oil and gas company go above that? Anybody in the realm of business understands profitabilities above that margin, right? Mm -hmm. So they creep right above the minimal inflation for max profitability without turning over customers. So you mentioned, you know, there's some customers, there's households that are out there that are, you know, perfect candidates. So if somebody's listening to this and they, they are someone who wants to be, you know, a conscious of the environment, they want to set up their their kids and their kids' kids for a clean future. They want to have a, a you know, a, a cap on what they will be spending for energy costs. You know, who is that ideal customer? And what is this pro like, what does the process look like? Because I didn't understand, I had somebody come by my house and give me the whole pitch and spiel, you know, about how I was going to do this. And then there was a lot to it um, oh, yeah. that I didn't understand. And a lot that I was actually, you know, it shifted me more towards the thought of this is something I probably do want to do at some point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because solar's not as cut and dry as most people would assume, right? So when you go into a solar situation, you're just like the old um, way of looking at energy production through solar is the more power produced, the more profitable because you sell it back to the provider, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the old school way. That's probably our parents' generation of the way solar worked. But back then, there wasn't net metering. There wasn't a one-to-one -one ratio buyback, which I'll explain in a minute. And then there also wasn't any way to regulate power outside of just trying to offset your spin on your meter. That's all they tried to do. So each credit that was over the amount you used, they'd buy back at whatever they could afford to buy back at. Now, fast forward to you know 2019 and 20, the only power you're getting is the power you produce and it rolls over to a true up state. So before we dive into like what that means and what all the complex stuff is, the simplest way to find an ideal person is do you get more than two or three hours of sunlight per day on your roof? Is there enough space to put three by five panels with a minimum of say 10 to 15 panels on top of your roof without it looking like a, you know, a Tetris or Jenga board. Like you want it to look good. Right. Otherwise I tell people, look like aesthetics is a huge part of this. Let's not pretend that anyone would just throw up panels on their roof to, in a wide array. Yeah, that was something that I was wondering because I'm I'm big on aesthetics. Yeah, I know yeah. you are too. I, yeah. I know you you love a nice I, I'm clean pretty looking, picky. Yeah. yeah. Um and 
like over the last three or four years, when I have tuned into the solar industry, it's like, wow, check this out. These panels look so much different over the last two years. And now I've even seen what looks like just like shingles, you know what I mean? Right. Like uh, that would be placed on a roof that are absorbing that sunlight and whether or not they're ready right now, I think what I've seen is just this vast acceleration. And so I grasp the kind of what you're going to go into and I'll allow you to get to that. But for me, it's, I don't want to be too early where I tie myself to the old technology without the ability to get to the new technology. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's a huge concern, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to jump in too early and I'll, I'll compare it directly to where smart TVs, smart devices and iPhones are. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did have the earliest iPhone, right? And I still, to this day, I have the, the newest iPhone, right? So I, I'm very tech-minded. But one thing I've noticed is that the iPhone, the only thing that's changed, really, the shape's got to bounce between curved edges and flat edges. And the size is bounced between 0.02 of a wider or longer screen, right? They did away with the button. They moved the screen to the edges. But what really changed? Software, right? Tech. Mm -hmm. So as far as the actual phone, if I took the original and I held it up next to this guy, it would be almost similar in size, weight. Uh, the screen would be very similar, right? So yes, panels have gotten more sexy, right? They've gotten more appealing. But the only thing that's changed is their efficiencies increased a little bit and their tech, the way that they streamline software has accelerated tremendously. So to wait for the new tech would be losing out on a mass amount of savings. Now, the new black on black panels where you're getting rid of that aluminum side and you have the really blue reflective uh, film inside of it. Yeah. I would never put that on my own house. I'm very picky, but now that they're black on black, the only thing you're going to see increase is the amount of power it can produce. Right? So the wattage goes up on these. Now that's another misunderstanding in the industry. Just because the wattage goes up, it doesn't mean all of a sudden the amount of sunlight you absorb goes up, right? The sunlight is the sunlight. Like we don't control the sun. So the amount of power you can absorb into the panels is dependent on your angle and position of your house. So that, that's what I want most people to understand is that your circumstance doesn't change. Your, your house direction, your pitch, right? Your azimuth, none of that changes. The only thing you're going to do from here on is see we're at a unique part in history. The cost is lowering, right? Of the whole system, it's going down. But so are the ITC credits, the federal credits. So what you're seeing is these are dropping almost in parallel. So as costs go down, the credits go down and eventually the credits go away and this doesn't go away, right? So you're going to have the max amount of savings right now and next year before this happens. And once that changes, then cost for solar will be slightly more than it is today, still less than you're paying anyway, but cost versus savings the max amount of savings you can get is within the next 
48 months. Would it, would it almost in a way even start to slowly and maybe at a slower pace than Petro, but would the cost start to climb after they've bottomed out? You've eliminated all of what you can. That cost has gotten as low as it can possibly go. And the technology gets wide enough where now it becomes a profit center. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in all, all things tech, there's always going to be a more expensive version. Yeah. So what I, what I would recommend, especially for those that are looking into solar and don't want to get lost in the rabbit hole, because it's, it goes pretty deep. What I would say is even after about 10 years of doing this, I still learn on a daily basis, but if you want the simplest version, Solar is one of those categories that you don't want to go for name brand. You don't want to go for the, you know, the garbage stuff, but you don't want to go for name brand because name brand in this is about two to three times markup. So you're going to have about a 300% increase in cost just by going with like an LG or a sun power panel or, you know, just any of these name brand ones. What you want is high efficiency you want to make sure that you've got good quality panels, right? And we could dive into some of the other stuff like monocrystalline and all that, but none of the listeners probably care about the nerdy stuff. So what I will say is the best way to look at a panel is the amount of wattage and the amount of power that you can produce on your house. And if you can eliminate the amount of overhead and extra cost and you can own your power and it goes back into equity in your house, it's usually a good investment. What is the average savings? I, I don't know what your typical home size is in America right now, like 2,500, 3,000 square foot, you know, but if, yeah, yeah. what is, the, you know, if somebody's, you know, doing everything that they can to this point, they try to be energy efficient, they turn their lights off, um, they don't leave TVs on, you know, yada, yada. How much can somebody save by making that transition over to solar? So across the nation right now, the average is about 15 to 20% a month. Um, what I tell everybody is here's, here's the benefit of solar. It's not a get rich quick thing. You're not trying to like eliminate something so that you accrue wealth dramatically. What you're doing is you're trying to control your circumstance. So we, as humans, we like control over our surroundings, our, our things. We like to own things, right? So we give back control by making sure that somebody else can't tell you each year you're going to pay more, right? So it's rate protection and cost elimination for retirement down the road. Those are the two key points. Savings is minimal. Um, at best, you're seeing somewhere around 40% in the nation. At the lowest, like Georgia, you know, where I'm from, uh, Georgia, you're saving about 5 to 10%. Uh, Pennsylvania is about 15 to 20. It's nothing dramatic, nothing crazy. But if you look at it long-term, a dollar's a dollar, right? So if I take a lot of dollars and I compound those over the next 25 years, and I also plan on being retired before then, I am going to control my outcome. And I'm also going to have extra profit that I would otherwise evaporate into thin air. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess it's probably not a surprise that we still have no idea who the president's going to be. And without going to your point down into this whole election, I was curious, does this, does this election have 
implications for your industry? Because that seems to be everybody's fear. I talk to people and they're, yeah. yeah, I mean, their fear is that we're, we're going to ruin the earth. And, you know, I think Al Gore predicted we'd all be underwater, you know, snorkeling around Miami. Right. And there's just, there's so much fear. And I appreciate your honesty. You said right from the very beginning, like, we don't sell fear, we're honest. Yeah. And again, I think that's going to be the fastest way to get everybody on board to better things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what are the implications of this either direction? So we've had a lot of feedback on this from our customer database in the last month, of course, right? We're, we're at the election, we're coming up on the final numbers. So here's where we stand as a company. And then I'll tell you uh, more personally, what I think the outcome is going to be as far as solar. Mm -hmm. So as a company, we've already lowered our cost and we do what we call a profit share statement. So our profit share we take all of the liquid after all expenses and cost, and we distribute it throughout the entire downline in the company by eliminating politics and putting in KPIs for an algorithm to make sure no one is missed. You can move up in this company based on pure metrics. You don't have to, like we said, no flat brims and handshakes. You don't have to know somebody to move up. But we also believe that the profit should be spread between an entire organization instead of one person, whether it be at the top or the bottom, getting all of the profit, right? So what we did too, with that same thought is we spread the profit with the consumer. So we actually give back based on whatever deal they want. We give back some of the profit to lower their costs. So we not only offer more strategic pricing, we also pay more than most other companies because we we want to be fair and transparent. So with that model, we've been able to safeguard ourselves regardless of what happens and who's elected. It safeguards us from the ITC expiration. So once the federal credit's completely gone, we're already safe. We're one of the few, as far as I know, there's only three or four companies in the whole industry that are already priced to take on that mass change because it's it's big i mean 26 right now 22 percent federal credit next year that's a lot of savings right so we have to account for about 25 percent drop in pay right so what we're going to do is we're going to absorb that with the customer so they don't feel it our guys don't feel it as much and as owners yeah we take a little bit of a loss that's a, we're okay with that we all want to make money and profit together and save our customers money together. So as a company, regardless of the outcome, we're okay. Now, where I see this headed, you have, you know, the red and the blue, right? It doesn't really matter where it goes because as a business owner, there's obviously, there's more benefits in going red, right? But as a solar business owner, there's more benefits in going blue, right? So what, we, what we've looked at is that balance between the two end results, possible end results is, yeah, we could extend the ITC. It's possible if uh, Joe gets elected and, and wins, right? That's very, very likely that there will be a huge renewable push. But even if there's not, 
there's still going to be so many people in the solar space that forge onward and are willing to do what we've done. And hopefully we're setting a good example by saying, look, we're not trying to get rich. We're trying to help people and make a good living for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't need the flashy, huge mansions and all that stuff that comes with knowing your core base of customers we're taken advantage of. That's not what we're about. I know. And, that, and that's a bold, <laughs> I'd say that's a bold statement, but being in the living room of some people who were taken advantage of through that, that form of, you know, sales, that's some of the things that I saw or heard from people. It's, I mean, it's a big reason why I kind of ran the other direction after a couple of years, unfortunately, but it's a really good point. Um, you know, I'd like to think, and I think a lot of people's thoughts are, are that, you know, someone will come on board and be more of a populist and recognize that it's a benefit regardless of, you know, which party you are to embrace these things and, and have a balance. And I think that's the key, right? There's got to be a balance. You said it early on, there's going to be a place in this world. I hate to tell people, but I'll, I'll say it, I'll die on this mountain. There will always be a place in this world for petrofuels. It's just, I agree. You know, it's about how do we make that efficient? How do we make it work for us? How do we make it work for the environment? And the sooner we come to that realization, I think then the road forward becomes a lot less filled with obstacles. Well, and yeah, and that was the the idea. We don't want to create enemies in the space, right? Yeah. Why why is there a good guy and a bad guy? Well, this isn't comic books, right? Yeah. We want to make sure that the world is prepared for a shared space. And what I do see is the amount of demand lowering, but we want that. They should want that. Look at rolling brownouts, blackouts. Like mm -hmm. they they are above their ability to provide. So what if we just help them regulate? right? Don't take over. We don't have to run 100% on renewables. What if we just offset the demand to where everybody gets what they need without losing what they need? That's the goal, right? I'm glad that there's, there's people like you out there that are, you know, thinking that way. Uh, I know you're a huge Tesla fan, huge, um, yeah. huge, huge Tesla fan. So, you know, without, there's a thousand rabbit holes to go down with Tesla. But one thing that I think about constantly is you mentioned earlier batteries, right? And so if I, if, first of all, the technology is increasing every day and we're not at a place where I think battery technology can sustain a, a massive shift in civilization to kind of move towards solar powered vehicles completely. Um, but I think even more than that, and I like to go a layer deeper, I'm cause I think surface level shit, it's so irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't yeah. matter. What matters to me is that there's large geopolitical movements happening because of these lithium pockets inside of the earth. And so as somebody that's probably way more, um, educated on this type of information, I wanted to bounce some of this off of you, because I look at that and it, it freaks me out. I mean, I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about how, I think it was the Sinaloa drug cartel was like taking resources that they traditionally were using for cocaine trafficking, which I mean, think about the profits that are made 
from the cartels on trafficking coke. And they decided like, we're going to take some of those people and we're going to move them over here. And we're going to start taking land and really claiming it because there's minerals underneath or there's lithium that's going to be extremely valuable. And now there's countries like China that are, you know, coming in and, and moving to, to purchase that. And I think there's ramifications to that. Of course. Uh, in the world. Yeah, uh, I mean, is there a way around that from what you see? I mean, what's being developed to, to offset it? Or is it an inevitable truth that the world's always going to have these types of issues? And if it's petroleum, then there's going to be war in the Middle East. And if it's solar, there, you know, there's going to be war over lithium. So the, the sad, hard truth is there will always be plenty to fight about. <laughs> there's always going to, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. You're right. Lithium right now, you know, oil, it could be whatever. There's always going to be an excuse to fight and there's always going to be stubborn people on both sides. And I, I'm one of them. I'm very set in my ways. So when people ask my opinion, as you well know, you know me really well, I, I don't have a problem voicing my opinion boldly, but where we've, where we have come to, war or aggression, or you could name all the countless things happening right now, even in the States that are really just due to people not being willing to listen while they are also being bold. That's one thing that I believe I've, for me personally, I've set myself apart on is I will just as diligently listen to your boldness as I'm willing to share mine. Right. And yes, I'm, I'm hard set in my ways and I'll say things, you know, to not give examples. I will tell you one that has backfired on me more than any other. Okay. And I'll share it. Um, I don't like animals. Right. So as you can imagine the amount of pushback and what the way it starts is they're like, wait, you're sure. What if it's the cutest little, and you know, there's always somebody that justifies it. They're like, yeah, but if you saw my animal, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't like any animals. I barely like children, but I love mine. But I, I'm not a fan of animals, right? Mm -hmm. it, I don't abuse them. I don't, you know, I don't hurt them. I don't, I'm not set to torture them. I'm not demented. Well, and I don't think it means that you don't recognize all of those great things that other people use to justify having an animal but you right. look at it from a very high level cost benefit, you know, what is the ultimate outcome? And I'm going to love him and he'll lick me and I'll get warm and fuzzy, but I'll have to find somebody to watch him when I go out of town. I can't travel. I've got him pissing on the floor. Like all yeah. of those other things outweigh it for you, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's the idea of an animal is nice, but the justification of an animal for me, it, it'll never happen. We'll never own an animal. I mean, I guess that's a lie. I have an ecosphere here that takes zero effort. So I do have one of those, but outside of an ecosphere. So I use that example to say, when we're talking about lithium and other things that are coming up on the horizon, I have heard strong rumblings of salt powered batteries. And as you know, there's a huge influx of salt everywhere, especially in the Utah area. Um, we, if they can figure out how to make salt work for efficient batteries, 
It could change the outcome of future wars, uh, the outcome of sustainability, batteries. I mean, it could change solar. I mean, not to go down a rabbit hole, but now I think about, you know, I've heard this argument all the time. California is next to the fucking ocean. Oh, yeah. Pardon my French, but it's like they're constantly in drought and they have no water. And a problem is that the cost of desalinization of that water isn't worth even all of the problems that they have by not having water. And so if you could find a way to take the cost of processing that salt out of the water by using it in something that's actually going to generate value, you may be able, cause it's not that we don't know how to take salt out of water. Right. You know, it's, it's very, well, we also know how to turn water into power too. Yeah. So you could turn water into power. You could take salt and make more power and you could have clean water. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Look, we should run for president. Oh, we, yeah. I mean, if, if the rock can tease about it and get more, more interest than our current candidates, I mean, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go. I was saying, I think I want to run in the purple party, you oh, know, just, just everything purple. And it's just a mixture of blue and red because we've, we're so polarized. It's, I went to Dick's and I was surprised to see the Pittsburgh pirates jerseys. I was like thinking one side of the store would be Democrat. The other side would be Republican because it's like without sports right now, they are truly the teams that we're rooting for and against, but. Oh yeah. Um, so what's next for you guys? I mean, I, I think if there's people that are listening to this, I, I do want to say, right. We kind of, I threw some negative out there about the industry and experiences that I had. I made a ton of money in two right. summers, you know, going and working in what is a very entrepreneurial spirit industry. If you're somebody who wants to make money, you have flexibility of life. You know, I, I met some people. I found myself living in Indianapolis for a summer. I found myself living in Des Moines, Iowa for a portion of a summer, Virginia beach for the other portion of that summer working from, you know, April until September, took some trips out to Colorado in the wintertime to test markets and to, you know, sell door to door um, in a warmer climate. And, you know, for as many skeezy things that I saw, there was a lot that I benefit. I credit my own success. I went on to work in the software industry. I look at that and as somebody who didn't even finish college, and I say, I learned a lot about myself, about rejection, about building relationships, about closing, asking for business, all because I was in a 100% commission role where I needed to convince somebody to buy an alarm system, pay it monthly for five years um, when they were in the middle of watching Lost and had no idea that I was going to knock on their door at eight o'clock at night, you know, so I say all of that because this is a great opportunity for people who want to make money. You know, I'm sure there's people that sit on Instagram all day long and think like, man, I want to be a, an Instagram influencer. I want to do this. I need to, they watch Gary V videos or, you know, listen to self-help. It's as simple as finding a reputable company that's willing to invest in you and going and working your ass off. So how can people who hear that and it resonates how can they find their way into victory or at least to a point where they can have a conversation or learn more? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's obviously 
my favorite thing we've created is we've networked across the nation with my almost 20 years of connections inside of the direct sales space. And now we have access for you to be able almost in every state to set up camp where you live, not have to travel as much work year round and be at a leisure pace. I mean, you'll still work hard, obviously, but you'll make tremendous money with 30 to 40 hours of work a week compared to what me and you used to do, which was, uh, you know, 50, 60 hours, sometimes 80 hours for a shorter amount of time. So we've, we're giving back the balance and a lot of our people will be making well above, you know, the six figure mark. Uh, so to get involved with victory, I will say this, anybody's welcome to reach out to me at any point, dusty at victorypower.solar. So dusty at victorypower.solar is the best way to get me. And we'll offer a shot to almost anybody that has three things inner gumption, meaning a hard work drive that doesn't require micromanagement, right? Drive, passion, you want to succeed. The second is we don't believe in having secondary um, focuses. Like if you are doing a full-time job and want to do this leisurely part-time, you can always throw leads our way. We'll help you out. But as far as employment, probably not. And then the third is we need people who are willing to learn, right? You can take, it, solar doesn't require the amount of rejection, uh, understanding how to handle rejection is some of the other things that we've sold in the past, like alarms, you know, satellite pest control, but you will still have rejection. So as long as you can handle, handle rejection, work hard, not have a backup job that's gonna distract you, and want to succeed, then yeah, victory is a great home for anybody. Well, that's awesome, dude. I, I do want to ask, um, I was thinking over the last couple of weeks planning to have this conversation, I was just reminiscing of old stories and experiences that I had. And you've been doing this a lot longer than me. So I have, I have like two and a half summers of meeting people, which I, I can't, I tried to like quantify it one day, like how many people did I talk to, you know, I started to do the math, like how many doors a day, how many days a summer, and it's thousands and thousands. And you are like exponentially because every year it just, you know, continues to grow. But I was thinking about some of the crazy shit that I saw and, and experience. Is there any one experience that you can share that, um, you know, in this 10, 15 plus year career, just never escapes your mind and blows you away even today? Yeah. Well, there's two that come to mind instantly. One was during one of our competition weeks years ago, I went into actually out your way, Hazleton, Pennsylvania. I went into what most people would consider a very dangerous stretch of road. And we were encouraged to work pretty aggressively long hours. So I remember being out well beyond 10 or 11 at night, approaching midnight, still working for some reason. Um, and I approached a door and a guy in his urine stained whitey tidies opened the door and pulled a gun on me. 
which if you're not wearing anything and carrying a gun around, there's probably some big red flags already, right? But I remember thinking, and this is this is the magic of direct sales, right? I remember thinking, I can win this guy over. <laughs> so instead of running away, which is the human natural reaction, I was like, this guy, he's going to be my buddy. Like this guy that's like holding a gun on me in his underwear, I'm going to make a friend out of. And yeah, fast forward about 30, 40 minutes later, we we did actually end up doing business together, which like we we signed him up for an alarm account and he referred several of other buddies. But that was one that stood out because I've only had a gun pulled on me two or three times in my life. And all, all three of them that I can remember were all while I was working in areas that I would, I wouldn't even let my kids go into now. So, and then another one that stands out, which is my favorite memory because it, it was a perseverance memory. It wasn't a happy memory, but in Tennessee, we were living in hotels during the summer and we got a phone call to the room, which is very rare in a hotel. You know, they only call you, you know, if, if you need something or they never brought up your crib or, you know, you don't get a phone call from the front desk at one or two in the morning. But we got a call is a little after two o'clock and they said, is the silver Corolla in the parking lot one of yours? And it was, it was my wife's car at the time. And they said, you might want to come down. And that that's never exciting, especially at two in the morning. But I walked down the stairs, uh, went out the front and my, my wife at the time had just met up for me for the summer to go do sales. Her belongings, everything she owned at the time was packed into this little Corolla, right? So all I saw was the back of the car windows blasted out and all of her belongings, like, you know, her underwear, her other stuff, like spread across the entire parking lot, some shoved into the drain and all of her suitcases emptied out and thrown everywhere. And I remember thinking there's only two different ways that humans can react to this, right? The winners are going to find a way to persevere and push through this. The losers are going to think this is it. Like we're not doing this anymore. Let's pack up and move on. Right? So I decided of course, to take option a and say, you know what? I'm going to go out and do what most people wouldn't be able to do. I'm going to get back focused on helping customers producing and earning. And I was able within the next three days to earn enough to provide and rebuy everything that she had lost inside of her vehicle. So that for me was my turning point on, am I going to make a career out of this and help people understand what that, we call it gumption, right? But that internal driving force, am I going to be the guy that's going to help teach that? Or am I going to be the guy that can't teach that because it was my breaking point? And you fast forward to what victory stands for. Victory is winning together. Like we want to all win, man. Like humans, people all need a chance to win. And everybody I talk to, 
They've got the best opportunity in front of them making what 50, 60 grand a year. I can help anybody double that their first year. If they just come out humble, willing to work. It's the best way to end this man. I love the message. So awesome. uh, I'm just glad that you invited me on. This was awesome to catch up with you. And anytime we get to share ways to help other people, I'm always in. Oh, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate it. Nothing but success for you. And-